This is most certainly true. The Lamb of God who was long foretold has come to be our sacrifice. Jesus offered himself and graciously shed his blood in our place so that we could be forgiven. And now we have the assurance of life and glory with him forever in heaven. Join us to look to the Lamb through this sermon recently delivered at Grace. The words of our gospel will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel according to John, chapter 13. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Are you living a glorious life? You've probably never been asked that question before. Well, today's your lucky day because I'm asking the question and asking you to consider, is your life glorious? I have a hunch. I can't read mine, so I don't know for sure, but I have a hunch that the majority of you, when forced to consider that question, would answer no. For some of you, it's because there are too many struggles, trials, weaknesses, temptations in your life. The word glorious is pretty far down the list of ways that you would describe your life. Others of you might be living a pretty decent life, but it's the parameters of your humility that wouldn't allow you to describe your life, and then by extension, yourself, using the word glorious. And there may be some others who recognize that there's a spectrum, and some of you out there lean slightly or maybe severely towards the side of being pessimistic, and no matter how good things are going, there's always something that could be better. I'm not surprised that many of you don't describe your lives as glorious. How does the world define glory? There was a TV show in the 1980s and the 1990s called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And while I understand that many of you have not seen that show, others of you remember Robin Leach and can picture him taking the TV audience through the mansions of some celebrity. 
You could see together the awe and the wonder what it must be like to live that kind of life. There are modern-day equivalents, TV shows, articles. You can read lists on the Internet about the world's ten richest people. You get to see the number of homes that they have and their size and value. You get to see the kinds of cars that they drive. The world today equates wealth and glory. Another way that the world defines glory would be with power. The CEO of the company has the spacious corner office up at the top of a high-rise office building. He's got six secretaries that are there to take all of the daily tasks off of his plate. He's got department heads and managers that are committed to following his direction and his viewpoint for the way that the company should go. When he speaks, people snap in line to act. When he wants something, he gets it. The world equates glory with power. What about you? How do you define glory? What does your heart say is the definition? Is it freedom? Freedom to do as you please, unchecked? Freedom to not have to report to anyone? Freedom to be able to act and speak and think without having to consider the impact that your actions will have on someone else? Is glory for you making a name for yourself so that others might notice, that they might see how good you are, that they might recognize your accomplishments, that maybe even a pat on the back comes your way every once in a while? Is that the definition of glory? That's the way that our hearts think. In a lot of ways, that's the way that the world defines glory, but our God defines those characteristics in a vastly different way. He calls it selfishness. He calls it sin. Jesus gives us a pretty straightforward, a clear and simple directive in our gospel today. His command for us to follow is this, love one another. And we're okay at, I might even venture to say, we're actually quite good at the first two words. Love one. As long as I can define that one as being me. No one ever has had to learn how to love themselves. You don't have to learn how to make yourself the center of your own universe, how to act as if the world is revolving around you. That's not learned behavior. That comes naturally because that's what our hearts think and what our hearts want. We vet every word and every decision based on the simple criteria. How is this going to impact me? And then even when we manage to look outside of ourselves, even then our actions are tainted with selfishness. 
We pay attention to those that we think will pay attention back to us. We do favors for those who might be able to help us when we need it. In short, we love those who will return that love to us. Our sinful hearts tell us that the way to happiness, the fastest path to happiness is by getting what we want and desire. It's by taking care of our own needs first. The world tells us that happiness comes from selfishness. But we find out just how false that is. In our lives, we recognize the lies that the world tells, the deceptiveness of our sinful hearts. Looking after our own needs, it doesn't make us whole. It makes us broken. Broken on the inside, and it makes broken our relationships with one another, and the worst is this, selfishness makes our relationship with God to be broken. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows the brokenness of our hearts. Jesus knows the depravity of our sin. He knows how incapable we are of fixing the sorry state in which we live. He knows. And he knows how to fix it. He steps into action. He sees our needs. And he fills them. Our Savior Jesus teaches us, and more importantly, he shows us the hidden glory of love. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room. It's Monday, Thursday evening. He had just exposed Judas as the one from among their ranks who would be the betrayer. And then Judas excused himself from the table and left to carry out his cowardly act. And then what? Now it was 11 disciples and Jesus. And now what? Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. What would you say? What would you do? Can you believe this guy? This guy's going to do that to me? He thinks he's going to get away with it? No way. What would you do? Take off in the opposite direction, probably. Lock the doors and lay low. The plan that you would come up with, it would be varied, but it would be any and everything except for the plan that Jesus did, except for the thing that Jesus did. He sang a hymn and then went with his disciples to meet his betrayer. He went to the place where he knew he would be found, would be betrayed, and would be arrested. Some might call that foolish. Here's what Jesus called it. 
Now the Son of Man is glorified in his carrying out the plan of salvation, in his staying the course, in his satisfying of God's will, in his betrayal, in his rejection, his arrest and his sufferings. Now the Son of Man is glorified. How can he say that? How can Jesus call a midnight arrest, a kangaroo court, being betrayed by his friends and abandoned by the disciples, having his own countrymen yell, crucify him, crucify him? How can Jesus call it glory to have whips on his back, a crown of thorns pressed into his skull, nails driven through his hands and feet, to be crucified and left there to die. How can that be glory? It's because that's what Jesus came to do. It's the hidden glory of love. The cross stands at the finish line of the race that Jesus had been running since Mary laid him in the manger. The cross stood at the end of the perfect life that Jesus was willing to live for you and for me. Because he knew we could never satisfy the law's demands, he came and did just that. Because he knew we could never fix our sinful condition, Jesus came and satisfied the demands of a righteous God. Because he knew we'd be lost on his own, Jesus was willing to come in humility so that we could be found and forgiven. Because on our own means only death. Jesus died so that we could live. And really, that's the message of all of Scripture, right? The hidden glory of love. That God would connect himself to sinners like you and like me. That Jesus would be willing to leave a throne of glory and come down to be our substitute and Savior. That he was willing to bear your pain, to take your punishment the hidden glory of love. And Jesus continues to hide his glory as he plants that love in your heart. He chooses simple people, ordinary, common people like you and me to be temples of his Holy Spirit. He chooses common folk to be his followers. He shows us his undeserved love and puts faith in our hearts so that we can see him for who he is, so that we can understand the hidden glory of love. And now with his love beating in our chest. And now with the faith that he has given us as a free gift of his grace, now we can see the law a little differently. Now it plays a different role in our lives, no longer a reminder of our shortcomings and failures, no, no longer something that drives us to despair and reminds us of our lack of power. Rather, now the law is a way that we can show our love for God. The law is a way that we can show thanksgiving and praise. Now, God tells us how we can live for him. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Apart 
from Jesus, this would be mission impossible, but now with him living in our hearts, now we are motivated and empowered to do just that. We can love others the way Jesus loves us. Jesus shows undeserved love, and so we can love those in our lives that may not love us back. We can have the same compassion and mercy and forgiveness as hallmarks of our lives. Jesus showed us selfless love, not looking to gain anything in return, but loving for the sake of loving, and that's what we can do as we love those around us. Jesus showed us sacrificial love, and now as we look to the world and and look to show love, we can make sacrifices, willing sacrifices of comfort, of time, even of our resources. We can be willing to give some things up in the name of love, in the name of showing Christ-like love to the world. We can love because we've been loved. Humility really is at the core. It's not about us, but about them. It's not about us, but an opportunity to serve. We have a chance to. Even though the world might disagree, even though they might be driven by something else, we are driven by the hidden glory of love. It's hard not to know what team a person cheers for, especially if you're at an event, a professional sporting event. It's a pretty common practice that people will adorn themselves in the team colors, maybe even wearing the same jerseys that are worn by the athletes on the field or on the court. If you're walking downtown or at the Pfizer Forum and someone is wearing a Giannis jersey. You don't have to ask who their favorite player is. You know which team they cheer for. It's written right across their chest. If you go to a football game and see someone wearing a piece of cheese on their head, please don't ask them what their favorite football team is. They're telling you. Their head is telling you in an unmistakable way that they cheer for the Green Bay Packers. Jesus tells us about something that's unmistakable about us. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We can show the world that we're on Team Jesus by showing Christ-like love. Christian love is the jersey that we can wear. It makes us identifiable as followers of Christ. Those are those identifying marks. Christian love shows the world who we are and and whose we are. We are ambassadors of Christ, those given the privilege to share his love every day. Sometimes the tasks that the world puts before us seem pretty boring and mundane. There are plenty of things that God calls us to do every day that don't seem to have a lot of glory. Helping a second grader with her math homework. Not a very glorious task, and you probably won't even get a thank you when you're done. Helping a neighbor with yard work because they can't do it on their own, or maybe it's just a lonely job and you can be a friendly face to visit with 
people might not even notice that you're doing it. Sweeping the floor for the fifth time because there are people in your house that don't notice the mess that they're making. It can be a thankless job. But it's one that's filled with glory. People might disagree. The world might not understand, but you get it. You understand the hidden glory of love. You understand the privilege that we have to live lives of service to those around us as a way to say thank you to God for the love that he's shown for us, as a way to be beacons of light, shining love and deeds of service into a dark world. It may not seem like much. It may not even be noticed by anyone, but God sees. Those deeds are glorious to him because they are acts of worship and praise. God understands. He's the one that taught you about the hidden glory of love. And just like Jesus, we have a privilege. A privilege to share that message. As God calls on us to love one another, no better way can we love than by sharing the love that's been given, freely given in abundance to us. The best kind of love we can show is showing a forever desire and a forever care for the eternities of those around us. You've been loved by Jesus. Your eternity has been made certain and secure, and now you can tell others of a Savior who loves them too. You can tell them of the unmistakable and firmly founded and never-ending love of their Savior, Jesus. I asked you before if you thought your life was glorious. And I'm wondering now if, and I'm hoping that, many of you have changed your answers. Your God finds value in you. He valued you enough to claim you to be his own. He went to great lengths to have you into his family. He called you before the creation of the world. He chose you before you were even born. And now he's paid the full price and made the full arrangements that you could be with him forever. He's even clothed you in the jersey of Christian love. Others might not get it, but you do. You understand the hidden glory of love. Being loved by Jesus, it's the most glorious thing that could possibly happen. Being given a sure promise of everlasting life with him, it doesn't get any better than that. Here in this place, the glory might be hidden, but there it will be on full display, and there it will never end. It's yours, then and now. Because ours is a Savior love. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, 
please visit www.gracedowntown.org today, and we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.